So good to have you here uh, this morning. As some of you know, my wife Lori had rotator cuff surgery on Friday morning, and uh, thankfully she is doing very well. Again, it's the muscles that are attached to your shoulder, and there was an inch tear. And thankfully, she's doing well today, flying high on prescription drugs. <laughs> Thank the Lord for technology. But we're, again, uh, just rejoicing over the fact that uh, everything uh, went so well. And now uh, we, meaning myself and my three boys, are going to serve her over the next month. And uh, four men serving is equivalent to one, man, uh, one woman <laughs> serving. <laughs> uh, we're also going uh, to learn uh, how much uh, she serves us. When I think about my wife, Lori, I always think about the word servant. Uh, she models uh, Jesus Christ for us in the way that she takes care of us. And I want to thank you so much uh, for your prayers uh, the prayers of the body and the family are so important, are so comforting. I posted a couple different things on Facebook. I'd love to be your friend. Uh, just uh, send me a note. <laughs> but uh, I posted a couple different things uh, about the surgery before and after, and it was just so wonderful to see people saying, I'm praying, uh, you know, we're bringing this before the Lord. It just reminded me of the wonderful thing that we have here, of uh, being partners in the gospel, partners in bringing the good news of Jesus Christ to the world, partners in doing the Christian life together, partners going through good times and challenging times. It's just a beautiful gift to be a part of this family. Uh, it's wonderful to have prayers going up, and God uh, blessing us in that way. It's wonderful to have people encouraging us and asking us how things are going. It's wonderful uh, to have uh, food brought to your house. That's a very wonderful <laughs> thing. Last night, uh, we dined on lasagna, a full lasagna meal instead of the peanut butter and jelly that I would have made uh, for my wife. Uh, so friends, uh, it reminds me of Galatians 2, or 6 that is, 2 and 3. It says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's part of what our family is about, is that we bear each other's burdens, just as you're bearing our family's burdens. We appreciate that uh, so much. Well, today we are wrapping up our study of the book of Philippians. It's been a three month study. I have just enjoyed preparing uh, for it so much, and I hope that uh, you have been enriched as we've studied God's Word together, a book about joy, a book about the partnership in the gospel, a book that reflects this strong relationship that Paul had with the people at Philippi. It is so rich, and I just challenge you, and I ask you, uh, to read the book of Philippians again. Read it in one sitting. Read a chapter a day. Take a chapter a week as you move through the month of July and again be reminded of all these wonderful truths that we've studied and reflect upon them. Go back on the website and, and listen to whatever messages meant uh, so much to you, whichever ones it might be. Again, let's continue to make this book our book. I was disappointed by the decision that came down by the Supreme Court, the two decisions in relationship to same-sex marriage. Friends, when we tinker with God's design for life, it's going to cause problems. It's a very complicated issue. We know there are a lot of emotions involved, but when you start to redefine what God has already defined. It only means pain. It only means suffering in the long run. I would encourage you to listen to my message on uh, the truth about same-sex marriage. 
on March 17th. You can go on the website and look that up, and if you didn't have a chance to listen to that, it's also a good message to uh, you know, send a link to other people who might have questions. Uh, I think that it's a pretty good, uh, how would I put it, I think it, it handles it well in regards to not, you know, again, we love people who are homosexuals. We believe it's a sin, but we love them. But the whole issue of same-sex marriage is a totally different ball game in regards to how it is going to impact our culture. So it helps us to understand that. Well, this next month, uh, we're going to continue our series, God at the Movies. And here are some of the titles. I did a message on Superman, uh, Super Dads. We talked about that on Father's Day. The next week, Iron Man, uh, talking about the theme of revenge. And then on July 14th, uh, Les Miserables, uh, talking about the theme of redemption from Scripture. Then on July 21st, looking at Lincoln, uh, the storms of life. And finally, on July 28th, Brave, a family conflict. This is a great time to invite your friends and neighbors out. In fact, we're going to continue our offer that if you bring uh, a friend or neighbor out, it's the first time they've attended Springbrook, uh, we'll give you, we'll give them, that is, two tickets uh, to AMC. This kind of a fun way, creative way to invite people out, and so you can be thinking about that and praying about your gospel, friends. Again, summer is a wonderful time to continue to cultivate that relationship, have people over to your house for a barbecue, uh, spend time with people. They've come out of their cocoon, and they're soon to go back. So take advantage of this opportunity. I'm going to be going on vacation, as I typically do, for four weeks during the month of July, and I appreciate your prayers that God would continue to work in my life, that he would restore me and encourage me and refresh my vision uh, for our ministry through that particular period. But I encourage you and exhort you uh, to be strong in your support of this ministry throughout the summer, both in your attendance and financially. We all know that summer uh, churches kind of go through uh, this dip. And certainly understandable in the sense that people are going on vacations and weekends, and that's great. It's great to celebrate. It's great to recreate and get away. But with some people, there's a tendency to say, well, I'm, I'm just going to check out for the summer. I don't know if they, they need less of God during the summer. Is that true? Do you need less of God during the summer? <laughs> Is summer easier than other times of life? Or, or I need less contact with other Christ followers? Is that the way it is? Well, no, it's not the way it is. It's more of a cultural type of orientation. And we need to be consistent about meeting together and worshiping together. And I would encourage you, even as you're on vacation, if you have the opportunity, there's nothing, you don't have to be in church, but if you have the opportunity, uh, find a church to visit. That's always a very interesting experience. You can ask Pastor Rich or someone else where you might be going, what a good church might be uh, to visit. But, 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 you know, it's fun because uh, it's a different experience, maybe a different way to worship. And you get, you get kind of a feel of what it's like to come into a church for the first time as guests come into our church. Uh, it, it's really just a good exercise in that way in understanding what does it feel like to come into a church you've never been in. And therefore, you can be more loving and compassionate for those that might check out our church. And if you're a guest today, it's so good uh, to have you. Well, let's take a look at this last portion of the book of Philippians. And we want to just quickly review last week's study on contentment in order to get the full context. Uh, we're looking at Philippians chapter 4 here, verse 10. Philippians 4, verse 10. So open your Bibles there. I encourage you to bring your Bibles with you as we study God's Word together. Verse 10, it says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that at now at length you have revived your concern for me. Remember? The letter to the people at Philippi was originally a thank you note to them for sending the gift, for sending Epaphroditus down uh, to help, and they have now uh, re-engaged with Paul after a 10-year period. So they revived their concern. 
You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. So their concern was continual, but this is the first time they had the opportunity to give. Not, uh, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. <laughs> that uh, is an amazing thing. I was talking to somebody this past week, and I said, yeah, I was seeking to be more content through the power of God and God through more problems in my life. <laughs> well, that's the idea of contentment, right? It's not just when things are good, like Paul says in verse 12, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger. Well, that hits us where we're at, right? Can you really be hungry and be content? That, that would be really the true test, I'd say. Hunger and contentment, abundance and need, to be in need. Are you in need today? Can you be content in that need? How can you do that? Well, here's the secret. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And friends, every time we come together, we need to remember that we can only find sufficiency in life in Christ Jesus, through abiding with him, walking with him, depending upon him. And that is so difficult to do. And that's why we need to continue to seek God out and say, God, I want Jesus Christ to be the center of my life. All right, well, let's kick into this week's passage, and it kind of flows from these verses I just read. Verse 14, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. So Paul doesn't want to be misunderstood. He, he doesn't want them to think, hey, listen, God's going to take care of me. I'm content no matter what. And they're thinking, well, why did we send him the gift in the first place? <laughs> he said, hey, I appreciate it. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. In fact, in the original language, it says, yes, it was kind of you. It's translated, you did good. That's the best Greek uh, translation of that verse. You did good. Not the best English grammatical translation, but you did good. We do well when we share uh, with other people. It was kind of you to share in my trouble. I'm in distress here. I'm in jail. I'm in a situation that I don't prefer. I'm in trouble, affliction. I'm being pressured. But you were there for me. And again, that's partnership in the gospel. As you and I minister to one another in the midst of our grief, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our frustration, it is good when we walk together with one another. Then he goes on to say, in verse 15, As you Philippians yourselves know, that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Partnership. That's the word we've seen five times in the book of Philippians. It's that idea of sharing with one another, koinonia, uh, the idea of fellowship, the idea of, again, uh, being one with one another, being on mission together. And that's what the people at Philippi did. They were very involved in Paul's ministry when he first began in this particular area. We look at this map of the third missionary journey that Paul had. You see, he started down there in Ephesus, he got up to the top there. It says Alexandria and Troas. Uh, that's when he was called over into Europe, Macedonia. So he took a ship and went up to Neapolis, the uh, port of Neapolis. And uh, he ended up in Philippi, where, of course, we've talked a lot about his experiences there. And then after he left Philippi, he went down to Thessalonica, uh, the book of Thessalonians. And then he went to Berea, remember, uh, to study the Word of God like the Bereans. Those three uh, places uh, were in Macedonia. And then he traveled all the way down to Athens and to Corinth. So you look at Philippi, and to Thessalonica, then to Berea, and to Athens, and to Corinth. Now, let's continue on here. 
And we see in Philippians 1.5, it talks about this partnership in the gospel. We see, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Then we look at 2 Corinthians 11.9. Now he's writing to the people at Corinth, and he's saying that I received gifts from the people in Macedonia. I believe he's talking about the people at Philippi. So the people at Corinth had more resources than the people at Philippi, but the people at Philippi were helping Paul in his ministry in Corinth. He says, And when I was with you and was in need, I did not burden anyone, for the brothers who came from Macedonia, the, the Philippians, supplied my need. So I refrained and will refrain from burdening you in any way. Now we go to Philippians 4:16, and we see how the people at Philippi had provided for the people in Thessalonica. Now we go back to our present passage. It says, Even in Thessalonica you sent me help for my needs once and again. So he traveled from Philippi to Thessalonica, and the people at Philippi were so grateful, were just so overwhelmed, by the beauty of the gospel and how it impacted their life. And Paul meant so much to them. So he was just two months maybe at Thessalonica, but they sent two different gifts to him. And again, we read in 2 Corinthians that these were very, very impoverished people. They didn't have anything to give, we would think, but they continued to give because it was just flowing out of their heart, this this flood of generosity, being overwhelmed, uh, wanting to help because of what God was doing in their lives. Now, let's go uh, to Philippians 4.15. Philippians 4.15. We read there, And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. So when he left Macedonia, he had gone to Thessalonica, he had gone to Berea, and then he left Macedonia, he said, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. They were the only church that stepped in and helped him when he left Macedonia to go to Athens and to Corinth. It was only the people at Philippi. The beginning of the gospel, the beginning of his ministry there in Europe. Now, it's interesting that, that we're giving and receiving. Again, as we've seen in the past in the book of Philippians, these are, these are uh, accounting terms. So Paul is very precise here. They gave and he received. And there's a lot of different thoughts about why he used those words. One, I believe, uh, was just the nature of what happened. Uh, and, and also the fact that Paul was very careful in managing the resources that were entrusted to him. Uh, people were supporting him uh, throughout his ministry. And he wanted to make sure that they knew that he w was a good steward, just in the sense that we, uh, as leaders at Springbrook, uh, seek to be good stewards of the resources uh, that you give to us. But it was also just acknowledging the fact that you gave, I received, and it was a blessing, and you were the only ones who did it. And this is what the partnership of the gospel is all about. I had a chance to sit down with Mel and uh, John Jorgen. They were here in our service several weeks ago. There are missionaries uh, that were in Belize, and we took a mission trip there three years ago. And now they're traveling to Guadalajara, Mexico, because of their son Malachi, uh, who they found out has cerebral palsy. So they need to be near uh, resources where he can get the help that he needs. And we need to be praying for them as they continue to, uh, again, care for Malachi and start this new ministry in Guadalajara, uh, Mexico. In fact, now we have three missionaries <laughs> in Mexico. Uh, so that's uh, exciting, making a difference there. So we're partnering with those three different missionaries in helping 
them to do their ministry. We're partnering with them in the gospel. So we are, are behind our missionaries, encouraging them, helping them to get the good news of Jesus Christ out. Uh, we're also partnering uh, with churches out uh, in, on Long Island. Just yesterday, uh, if you were here last week, you saw the commissioning of our East Coast Recovery Team. And yesterday morning, 37 people, including my son Tom, that's why I was here, uh, went uh, in three different vans, uh, adults and teens, uh, to travel uh, to New York. They stayed over at a church, uh, sleeping on the floor, and now they're back on the road again, and they'll arrive in Long Island today, and they're going to be working there uh, five days, uh, giving their energies over uh, to helping uh, primarily elderly people whose basements were destroyed by Hurricane Sandy, and they're tearing out the basements, and they're putting new drywall in. These are people who did not have insurance. That would be one of their primary projects. So again, your funds that you gave through the year-end offering, uh, over $17,000 is making this trip possible. So we're partnering with those churches. We're partnering with other Christ followers in order to show the love of Christ uh, to these people who are in such great need. So I would encourage you every day, be praying for our team, be praying for safety, be praying for opportunities uh, to be a witness, be praying for emotional and physical strength as they do the ministry there. Now, that's the beauty when you give to our ministry here at Springbrook. You know that it's being used to spread the gospel in so many different ways. Now, Paul takes an interesting turn here in verse 17. He says, Now that not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. So Paul's saying, My primary concern is not about the fact that you're helping me here in jail, but my primary concern is that I'm seeking heavenly credit for you. Now, what's he talking about here? Well, there's a strong principle that's taught in Scripture, that as we make a spiritual investment, especially as we make a spiritual financial investment in God's kingdom, that God is going to honor and bless us for that. And it's seen so many different times in Scripture. And here, Paul it was just an excellent model for us. He was so much more concerned about the fact that they were being blessed by this gift than himself being blessed. As we looked in Philippians chapter 2, he was more concerned about others than he was himself. He was excited about the fact that they had stepped out in faith, that they had gave sacrificially in order to help them, and he knew that they were going to be supernaturally blessed. Let's take a further look at this concept that's taught in Scripture. We turn to Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. And we're really good at that, right? That's what our culture teaches us to do, is to lay up treasures, to sock the money away in bank accounts and other investments, uh, to buy as much stuff as you can and more than you uh, can afford and, and protect it from people who would uh, steal it. But again, what uh, Jesus Christ is saying here, well, that's not the best investment. In fact, that's the wrong investment. It's okay to buy stuff. It's okay to meet your needs. Uh, but don't put your primary focus there. It's like watching your 401K. Up and down and up and down and the news just—it just is an—it's a daily or weekly reminder to us that nothing is secure in this world. Any resources that we put away for our future are not secure. Now, it's wise to do that, but we don't put our trust in that. He goes on to say in verse twenty, 
going to say in verse 20, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So don't focus on treasures here on earth, but put your treasures in heaven. And this is exactly what Paul is saying to the people at Philippi. You have put your treasures in heaven by giving to my ministry. You put your treasures in heaven because that whether neither uh, moth nor rust destroys. That was mostly speaking about clothing and how moths got in and destroyed the clothing. And where thieves do not break in and steal. Once you make an investment in heaven, the market is not going to change in heaven. <laughs> You're not going to get to heaven and, and God's not going to say, well, it was a bad year up here. <laughs> right? <laughs> Things were not good. Uh, all the indicators were down. No, I mean, once you put that money away in heaven, in a sense, you make that investment, it, it's just going to accrue incredible interest. And it says, or that familiar verse, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And we've talked so much about this, but we need to continue to be reminded that where you put your money is one of the best indicators of what you value. Where you put your money is one of the best indicators of what you value. And if you're not putting a lot of money into God's kingdom, Basically, that says you don't value God's kingdom a lot. Now, this is a spiritual maturity thing. Some of you are young in the Lord, and, and this is new to you. Others maybe know this, but you've been kind of fighting against it, continuing to put resources into your life that should go into God's kingdom. But, friends, it's seen over and over in Scripture. You can tell pretty much how committed you are to God. You, you can tell how committed you are to this ministry. Are you committed to this ministry? Well, I tell you what, friends, ownership is seen in financial resources. Now, not everybody can give the same amount, but you know when you're giving in a sacrificial way. Again, it doesn't matter the amount. We all have different levels of resources, but you know how much ownership you have in this ministry. Uh, because of what you give to it. And again, this is seen in Scripture. And I, I want to celebrate you guys today. I want to encourage you in your giving to the Lord. Let me just give you a ministry fund update. You take a look at this particular uh, layout here, this general ministry fund update. Uh, now, this gives us some trending here. Our March weekly giving was about 20300 a week. I think our budget is like 2200 uh 22,000, excuse me, a week. Uh, April weekly giving was around 17,7. May weekly giving was around 18,100. Now, January through May expenses was 458,000, and our income was only 390,000. So that is about a $70,000 deficit. Now, that's not good news, but at the same time, our leadership knew uh, that this was uh, a possibility in terms of the trending that we were seeing. Uh, so this is one of the reasons for our Heart Strong uh, initiative. Uh, part of that Heart Strong initiative, obviously, was to uh, hire a full-time worship director. So Jeff Osborne came in, and we were able to pay him, and then God led him uh, to another ministry. And now John Jackson is coming in. So because of the Heart Strong, that's part of that 68 grand. Uh, that's part of that subsidy that's being paid to the HeartStrong initiative. But the good news is, is because of your incredible generosity through our general, to our general fund, as well as HeartStrong, we're able to cover that deficit. Uh, so that 68000 comes up out, our, out of our HeartStrong uh, resources that helps pay for the worship director and uh, our uh, general ministry. So let's go to the next uh, HeartStrong Fund update slide. Uh, again, March weekly giving, uh, 6700 April, 9700 May is 3800 So the January through May budget for HeartStrong is around 95000 uh, And the income uh, January through May is 124000 So we're $30,000 over our budget. So let's praise God for that, huh? Amen. And friends, I just want to encourage you. 
today. I want to celebrate you just as Paul celebrated the people at Philippi. Uh, you are storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven. As you give sacrificially, many of you have cut back on certain things in your lives. Uh, you have a different lifestyle because of your commitment to God and your spiritual maturity and laying up your treasures in heaven. And I want to say, way to go. You did good. <laughs> okay? As Paul would say, you did good. And, and God is going to bless you and take care of you for that. Now, obviously, we look at this, and, and our heartstrong initiatives, as you know, one of them was to bring in a full-time worship director, and that was a tremendous blessing through Jeff, and now it will be through John. Another one was to encourage you. That's loving God together. And then loving God one-on-one. -on -one. Obviously, I continue to encourage you to spend daily time uh, with God. Then loving our family, loving our family. I'm looking toward the fall. We're going to have a marriage retreat uh, that we're going to offer. We're going to have a parenting uh, seminar that we're going to offer. Those are going to be part of our offerings in regards to our Heartstrong Initiative uh, there. And then our Compassion Initiative, of course, we've had our food trucks and talked about our jail ministry last week. If you're interested in being part of our jail ministry, uh, I encourage you to write jail ministry on the back, and we'll get some information to you. We've had a couple people interested uh, in that. We have our Kids Hope USA mentoring. Uh, we're going to be introducing safe families in the fall. So we're doing everything we can to fulfill our heart-strong vision. Now, some might ask, well, what happens next year when heart-strong ends? Uh, how do we continue to you know, maintain the general budget and continue these different things? Well, we're continuing to pray about that and asking the Lord. We're, we're asking the Lord uh, to bring other people who can be partners with us in this ministry. And, and I, I know the Lord's going to provide for us. So other people are going to come and be part of our ministry. I'm also asking the Lord, and I ask you uh, to consider and prayerfully think about your giving. Many times when people increase their giving uh, through a capital campaign like we had for HeartStrong, uh, some are felt... To, to continue that giving at that same level. So maybe that's how God is going to provide. Uh, some will keep your uh, giving at the heart-strong level. So let's continue to pray. God has always provided, and he will provide. And, and the main point here, guys, is just like Paul is encouraging the people at Philippi in their sacrificial giving, I'm encouraging you. I tell you, I've been in ministry many, many years, and, and I just have been blown away. I have been blown away by your commitment to the HeartStrong Initiative and just your generosity. It's a beautiful thing. It's such an encouraging thing to me as a pastor to see people giving way and above beyond what other Christ followers give. And you are storing up treasures in heaven. Let's just take a look, a little more uh, time to look at this principle uh, we look in uh, Luke uh, 6, 38, just to give you some more encouragement and the good work you're doing. It says, Give and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, uh, 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 will be put into your lap. Or with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. You might remember uh, this was a picture of people who were going along a threshing floor and they would leave the out side of the field unharvested so people who didn't have resources come along and they'd kind of take their robe and they would make kind of a lap bag and then they would fill it uh, with grain. And the idea here is that you, you, you shake that lap bag okay, into your lap and you press it down because you want to put as much in there as possible to take home uh, to your family. Well, God says if you give, it's going to be given back to you. And how is it going to be given back to you? Well, in their minds, they're thinking about this lap bag because, again, the majority of Christ followers were poor back in that day and were probably involved in this type of uh, activity. Uh, more grain than they could ever imagine would be in that lap bag as they gave to God. And, and the principle here is what you sow, you're going to reap. Or you're going to reap what you sow. 
how much you give to God, how much faith you have in God, how much you step out, God is going to bless you. We see it again in Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. You reap what you sow. Another withholds, they don't sow, what he should give, and only suffers want. They don't reap a lot because they don't sow a lot. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. Again, you sow a lot, you reap a lot. Then in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So here, here's the point, guys. It's up to you. Do you want to sow a lot and receive a great blessing? Or do you want to sow a little and receive little blessing? I mean, it's up to you. Obviously, God wants you to give generously, but you make the decision about how much you're going to invest in the kingdom. He wants to bless you, but you have got to take that step of faith, which so many of you have done. And you could stand up here and say, wow, God is incredible. He continues to provide. In fact, I want to read this testimony from Pat Schmidt. Uh, she sent this to me uh, just a, well, it's June 14th, not too long ago. Okay? Uh, so here's what she says, Pat and Roger Schmidt, 10 Springbrook. She says, in April, uh, you, Dan, spoke about the need of Springbrook to meet its budget even through the summer. Your plea was for members to contribute even through the vacation months. And for us to pay on time, the budget did not wait. We were one of those families not paying on time. While we wrote the tithe and heartstrong checks first thing on a pension day, we then clipped it to our checkbook until the next pension day, a cushion in case something came up, not fully trusting God with our, and she capitalizes that money. But you said if we trusted God, we could just wait for the blessing. So we dropped off our April check, and next pension day in May, wrote the checks and immediately dropped them in the basket. So she's changing it. She's, she's trusting in God, not just waiting to see. She's getting rid of her cushion, basically. Faith very strong, okay? But... May 30th now, okay, we said, God, we don't see the blessing. You only have one more day, June 1st, zip, not a nothing. Pat's oh, a very colorful character. <laughs> in the meanwhile, we were in ongoing saga with the Buick dealer and General Motors over equipment paid, but not delivered on our new car. With the stress, we requested four free oil changes, 695 for the missing equipment, and $100 so we could go out to dinner and put this all behind us. <laughs> now you know we really expected zip, not a nothing. This was a car dealership. Well, his timing, today, she writes, June 14th, the owner of the dealership called to say that we would receive four free oil changes and a check for 795 bucks. <laughs> Praise God, huh? <laughs> the blessing for our faith comes through a car dealership, question mark, question mark, question mark. Come on! A faithful and comical God for, for sure. By his hand we live, Pat and Roger. Uh, th that's the real deal there, huh? God provides. A couple lessons there. First of all, trust God. Second question, or second principle is if you have problems with a car dealership or any type of other thing, call Pat. <laughs> she knows how to negotiate, uh, no doubt. But God is going to bless you. Now, here's a kicker right here, guys. This, this is really where it comes home. Uh, Philippians 4.18. He says, I have received full, full payment and more. So 
in the original language here, it's, it's saying, I have received money and a receipt for it. Again, he's using an accounting uh, term. I've received full payment. Everything that I would have expected God to provide, he's provided. But <laughs> I've received more and more. So I deserve what I expected, but God has given me more. I am well supplied. So three different times he says, yes, God has blessed me, and he's blessed me beyond what I expected. Having received Epaphroditus, the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Then we go on to verse 19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now, this is a verse, of course, that's very well known, uh, very uh, beloved and special to so many people. God is going to supply every need. Not every want. We're not talking about the prosperity gospel here, you know, getting rich off of God. No, he's just going to supply our needs according to his riches. According to his riches. Now, if, if someone is going to be blessed according to your riches, would that be a good thing? Maybe according to your debt. I don't know. <laughs> You know, we're talking about God's riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, a lot of people claim this verse, but what's the context of this verse? What do you have to do in order for this promise to be applied to you? You have to be generous. You have to be generous. What he's saying to the people at Philippi, you have been so generous to me, and therefore I'm saying God's going to provide for you. But if there's a Christ follower out there who says, well, you know, I, you could talk about giving and stuff like that, but I'm playing it safe. I'm not going to give like God wants me to give. I'll just give whatever's left over at the end of the month if it's convenient. I tell you what, that verse does not apply to them. They cannot claim that promise that God is going to supply their need. Hey, well, that's not fair. Well, <laughs> I'm just teaching Scripture here, okay? You need to step out in faith. You need to put your trust in God if you want Him to bless you. I was uh, reading a story this past week about investing. It was uh, a story about a guy named Albert who was a shoeshine, uh, a shoeshine uh, person at uh, the Pittsburgh Children's Hospital. And he, he's been there for like 30 years. This is a story that was written just several months ago. I assume he's still there. But uh, 30 years he's been there. Now, again, not a lot of people get their shoes shined. <laughs> These days, it's not as popular as it was back in the day. But at the same time, he still charges $5 for a shoe shine. And sometimes people will give him tips occasionally. One time a doctor gave him $50 at Christmas time. That was very, very unusual. But the very unique thing about this man is that ever since he began to work there, he has given a third of his income to the children's hospital refund, helping parents who don't have insurance paying for the needs of their kids. So a third of his income for 30 years. And then every tip that he's received, he's given to the same fund. 30 years. How much money do you think he's given to this hospital over 30 years? 200000 200 grand. Just a shoe shine guy. Right? 
with an unbelievable heart of generosity. Well, I tell you, that, that's, that's an inspiration to me. I'm not that generous. I say, Lord, increase my heart of generosity. And the only way to do that is increase my faith. Help me to really believe what you say in your word about taking care of my needs if I step out. Help me to want to just store away treasure in heaven, not for my own blessing, but in the sense that because I love you uh, so much. That should be all our prayers. Then Paul brings this book to a close, or a letter to a close. He says, To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Remember, he was witnessing to those guards. Uh, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Friends, that's where, where it's all at. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The grace of God is not something we just enjoy when we first become Christ followers, but it's a daily experience. God continues to fill our lives with grace, with his love, with his mercy, and all. How grateful we are. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you uh, for the time you've given us to reflect upon this unbelievable letter that you inspired the Apostle Paul to write. I pray that as we go throughout the summer that we would just sit and, and think and meditate on, on the things that we've read to do further study on this very, very powerful book. I pray, Lord, you would increase our heart of generosity. In Christ's name, amen. I just have a few other things to say here about uh, what's going on here at Springburg. Again, as uh, John Hathaway mentioned, John Jackson and his wife Laura are going to be with us in several weeks. And there's baby Lincoln. We're so excited about that. So in this next slide... Uh, you'll see uh, that we got some different things going on. The Jackson move. If you can help us move them down from Michigan, we've got an all-expense-paid trip to Michigan for you. <laughs> we've got food for you, a hotel for you. <laughs> you go Friday night, come back Saturday, and uh, move uh, this uh, ministry couple down. Uh, it's for Sunday will be July 21st. Also, uh, Phil Gannison uh, has found a full time job uh, that, uh, again, is a real blessing to their family. He's been a contractor, and you know what the last five years for contractors has been like. Uh, but God has just blessed his socks off, so he says, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to resign. They're still, of course, very involved in our ministry. Uh, but Bill Sikma uh, uh, has, uh, again, surfaced, and he is our new facilities director. Uh, so, yeah. Is Billy in the house? Is he here right now? Billy, Billy. Oh, there's Bill. All right, Bill. Thank you so much for stepping up, bud. Yeah, thank you so much. All right. All right, right now we're going to have Krista McDunn come out and tell us what else is going on. Thanks, Krista. Good morning, Springbrook. It's so great to have you this morning. Um, the ushers are going to come forward, and as they do, um, if you would quickly fill out that communication card that you'll find in the back of your worship folder, that would be great. As you do that, I'm just going to highlight a couple of quick things. First of all, save the date. I'm sure you've seen it, but make sure it's circled on your calendar. The picnic, our annual church picnic, is coming up August 11th in Dikey Park. It'll be at 1 p.m. just following um, the second service that Sunday. Um, there's going to be face painting and all kinds of fun things to do and be praying now that we have good weather not like this past week we we're hoping for a clear day but make your plans to, to be with us for that also the yellow insert it has a few announcements on the back but on the, the front side of it it highlights VBS that's going to be starting in two weeks and so we are still looking for volunteers so if you're able to help out there's a whole list of opportunities there of, of things that we need assistance with please fill that out uh, and let us know what you like to help out with or if you have questions obviously stop back at the kids city desk but also you can register online to help out and also your kids you can register your kids online too it's twenty dollars per child 
Um, so we hope that um, the kids are getting excited. I know, I'm sure they are. We've already seen the preview of the decoration, so that'll be coming shortly. And then finally, the office will be closed this Thursday and Friday in observance of the 4th of July holiday. So um, if you need anything this week, um, be sure to get it by Wednesday, and otherwise we'll see you then next Sunday. Now I'm going to turn it back over to John and the worship team. We'll close out our service. Please stand with us and let's keep worshiping. Yeah. 